Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, battle axe sold separately steel. And I'm Jade, not suitable for children, Rose. And in this episode we are talking about labels. Finding them, disregarding them, struggling to peel them off in one piece without leaving all that weird gluey stuff. <laughs> um, good metaphor, great. Yeah, I, 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 I was a sucker for a metaphor, I can't help myself. Shall we move on? Yes, labels. <laughs> labels. Um, so this is episode one. Yes, the um, beginning. The beginning, origins. Um, and I thought we would talk about ourselves a bit. Talk cool. about labelling the this, this podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and just start with a kind of nice getting to know you, easy, shallow end of the pool. I'm resisting the urge to sing. I'm not, <laughs> not, not in the first um, episode. Kind of introduction. Yeah, sounds great. So? So what, I got to go first? If you want. Okay. Um, well, I suppose the label I'm always first to use is geek. And that in and itself has sort of become a loaded term. But with the sort of the increased awareness of geek culture and geek chic, and I won't rant here about why that angers me so, <laughs> so very, very much. But um, yeah, it's why my handle in a lot of places involves fan geek because uh, gender neutrality is fun. But uh, I am a geek and it's part of who I am. And uh, it is how I define myself. And it before. I use labels regarding my sexuality or gender. I tend to go, well, I'm a geek. If people ask me who I am or what, what kind of person I am, that comes up first. And you've said to me before that you have a real clear definition between geek, nerd and dork. Yeah, I mean, I think this is fairly widespread, but in my, at least my take on it is a geek is somebody who is very, very, very knowledgeable slash enthusiastic slash passionate about something it's sort of that is the defining aspect of being a geek is that sort of passion you will possibly notice uh, some <laughs> slight uh, interaction from the cat population here uh, just ignore it hopefully they'll go away um, a nerd is somebody that is sort of academically smart or heightened intelligence and a dork refers more to social skills or lack thereof I consider myself to have all three of those applying to me <laughs> maybe less nerd well, that's my thing, is that I wear glasses, I'm geeky, and sometimes people assume that means I'm good at stuff. <laughs> I'm very much not. I guess I'm good at certain things. Yeah. But general knowledge or, like, how to do anything mm -hmm. um, mathematical does yeah. not apply to me. I, it's uh, one of those things that amused me when we first started talking about a geeky podcast, is that we both actually look like geeks. Like yeah. Uh, uh, we both wear sort of fairly thick framed glasses that we need. They are not a fashion accessory. <laughs> another rant for another time. But we both got a, a penchant for uh, geeky shirts or stripes. Badges and pins and yes. uh, other kind of accessories. It, that, that's the thing about geekdom. It's, it is something you sort of... You let your your geek flag fly, but maybe in subtle ways. Always the fun stuff is this is the more subtle references, and then when people get them, mm. there's that instant kinship. And I find there's different levels of geekdom. Oh and, yeah, and like 
this isn't what the podcast is going to be about this episode, but no. when I find someone, for example, as like a Doctor Who fan, that doesn't mean much yet. I have to be like, all right, okay, do what kind of jokes am I going to say? Mm-hmm. Um, or just other kind of geek things, like most geek dumb fandoms are mm-hmm. so big now. Yeah. I say Doctor Who, for example, just because you can... Mm. Ex- you can not watch the show mm-hmm. and still have so much content and like be a full on fan and like there's a whole discourse about <laughs> when you're a true fan I do not subscribe to any of that yeah classic who versus new yeah, who like there's, the there's, whole I mean like all the big franchises there's so much content and so many different mediums for sure but like being a geek like it feels like something that's I I know you're annoyed by geek chic, but it's something that's mm. quite legitimized. It's not like a stigma anymore. No. Well, I mean, I I say I get annoyed by the geek chic thing. I, I it doesn't bother me that we we've been dragged out of the darkness into the daylight. <laughs> that's not what bothers me. It, it I I don't like to draw a comparison to cultural appropriation because it is nowhere near on the same level, or of that kind of weight and nor should it be seen as such. However, it is seeing something being adopted by other people without the understanding of the history or the passion or the level of emotion that goes into it. I mean, for a lot of us, while Geek now has this great sort of maybe public face, a lot of us are still of the age where we were bullied and mocked and ridiculed for our for our passions as younger people and as consistently getting older people geeks don't grow up we get taller and we can have more money to buy more expensive things (laughs) i genuinely think that's part of what being a geek is is the like i was genuinely concerned when i was a teenager that i had some kind of disorder which meant i wasn't growing up at the same Mm -hmm. speed as everyone else because i was still like playing in the garden and pretending yeah for a long time after everyone else i assumed Mm -hmm. stopped or were weren't admitting that they were continuing (laughs) it's something you did in private my interests haven't changed Mm -hmm. i've got more interests yeah but we were literally just talking downstairs about my pokemon card collection yeah with not a hint of shame (laughs) shame about the amount of money i've spent but like (laughs) it's i i I, you know, I don't know when comes the point where maybe I have, I, I explore more adventurous cheeses now, or I pay bills and other yeah. things that I like, associate with being a grown up. But yeah. I've no, I, but there's never been a point in my life where I think I no longer like this thing because of my age. Mm. And I put away that box. Yeah. Box boxes (laughs) but that's a dirty word here well it's it we were just talking talking (laughs) about labels we've been we struggled to name this podcast for a very long time a very 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 Um, long time and i would admit that the the types that we have right now is something i've accepted i will get more used to over time Mm -hmm. i do like it but thank god i've slightly forgotten it (laughs) (laughs) this is a great Uh, start guys it's box not included it is box not included yeah because we were talking and what's quite ironic is that we don't like feeling boxed in and yet boxes and box metaphors and box imagery is going to feature heavily in everything to do with this podcast probably yes it is but um yeah like 
Geek is definitely a word that comes lumbered with a lot of other associations. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently, this week, I had something quite shocking happen to me. Tell me everything. <laughs> there was a Facebook comment discussion mm-hmm. or debate yeah. I had with strangers. Yeah. Where everyone behaved very well and no one got compared to certain famous dictators. No one got personal and stormed off. It was a, a, a wonderful, interesting discussion where I found both sides very fascinating. Can it be? Is it true? <laughs> it was... The I legends. Mean, it might just say that they were strangers. They were more like the friends of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that just is a says something about the kind of people I want on my Facebook feed. But um, it was about... In a kind of way, it was about labels. People were talking about the label of gamer, which mm-hmm. I guess is a a subset of geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you associate when you say or describe oneself as a gamer? Mm-hmm. See, I play games all the time. Yeah. They probably take up quite a lot of my um, disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a little bit competitive of some games mm-hmm. and did it were I on the list of possible podcasts I would do around the sort of fifth or sixth would possibly be a gaming podcast yeah. Nintendo is my life uh, that's my main thing mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't use the term gamer mm-hmm. um, and I'm and I'm, but that was the debate basically was yeah. someone who very much self-identifies a gamer very much um doesn't agree with the public perception of gamers and us arguing why we didn't call ourselves gamers. And his point was basically we need people like you to change the perception of what a gamer is. And the other side tended to be there is a certain person who... You can be a geek and you can like films, but calling yourself a film buff is another level of... Some people are saying smugness, but I don't think that's quite the right word but it's Mm. like defining your life in that way yeah in such a specific way for sure um and i wonder if there's because there's quite there's some like strange um venn diagramness to geeks and gamers and sometimes there are gamers who possibly wouldn't consider themselves geeks because Gamers are a bit like the cool kid version, but it's also kind of... Mm. It's very confusing. And this is why labels, without any context, can sometimes be... Because they have... People have preconceived notions of that label. Yeah. Their own experiences of people who use it, and so on. And you see it a lot with people when they say they don't want to call themselves a feminist because they have bad connotations with it. There's been associations made with that label. And people are scared to adopt the label because of the associations that will inevitably, mm. or the comparisons that will be drawn with people who do use that label. Yeah, I consider myself a geek. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't put it on. I don't label myself anywhere really as that because mm-hmm. I. To me, it's fairly obvious that I am one. Um, to me, nerd is the like more negative. All right. But it's actually really funny, in my old flat, um, my old flatmate, Mel, who might inevitably come on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, 
they had a bunch of friends over and described it to our non-geeky, non-nerdy uh, friend. Oh, I've got a bunch of nerds coming over later. Mm-hmm. And I say friend, it was a horrible flatmate. who <laughs> <It> was <laughs> fairly racist and would often use words which would make me completely shudder and be like, you cannot say that. Yeah. But then found the word nerd. She said, I cannot believe you call people who you consider your friends that. Do they know you call them nerds? That's and she so considered it the most like vulgar thing you could say to someone. Really? But then had horribly fruity like for language her. for um certain other mm-hmm. types of people. I always feel like possibly with the and with the term nerd specifically, and I say this as somebody I consider myself to be a theatre nerd. I don't necessarily consider that to be a subset of my geekery. I consider it sort of geekery adjunct. <laughs> um but I feel like nerds is what we call each other when we're trying to be insulting, but in the fun way, like in the affectionate way. Like, um, I'm a big fan of Critical Role. Um, for those people who maybe don't know, it's uh, a web series on Twitch where a bunch of voice actors play Dungeons and Dragons. And my tag, frequently used them, is, God, I love these nerds. Mm. Or frequently, what a bunch of nerds. And it's that sort of loving mockery. It's just sort of like, oh my God, you are such a nerd. And, and that is very much that. If somebody's being awkward, oh my God, what a dork. I don't tend to use geek in that regard because geek, I don't know. But it's, it's interesting I consider, now you've said that. I, I see dork as like a loving way of describing someone who's does not care about giving off a cool image. You can't tell, but I'm raising my hand. <laughs> well, Hamish can tell because he can see me. But that, but, like, yes. you see a lot of interviews of actors and they're either like, I'm on the press tour and I'm going to give a really good answer. Or you see the one that just, like, snorts at the question and is just like... Yeah. What? And, what? like, when you... I think Dork is, like... There's a the lack re- of pretense about yeah, it. Yeah, and the relatability. Mm. Um, and I don't think that has much to say whether they, like, want to go see the new Star Wars film. Yeah. Like... Geek's quite general. Mm. Nerd is like, maybe I'm a nerd of a certain thing. Yeah. Or like, you could be like, I like video games. Mm -hmm. I'm a geek, but I specifically am very invested in Bowser from the Mario series. (laughs) Or like, I really care about the lore of the Zelda franchise. Maybe maybe that's an interesting line to draw between, maybe being a geek is more of a general thing. Yeah. Whereas you get your nerd on about something in particular. You might be, say, a comics geek, but you might be a Marvel or DC nerd. Like, that's a way to think about it. It's sort of like a a funneling or a focusing of that geeky impulse. When you hone it down, it becomes nerdery. Well, ultimately, I want to start talking about maybe our the labels to do with our sexualities and genders. Yes. Because we can say whatever we like about geek, nerd, and dork and all that stuff, but I think ultimately mm-hmm. it's what words you feel comfortable with. Yes. And this debate we had about the word gamer ultimately did boil down to we don't want to call ourselves gamers, you do, you feel comfortable with that world. And we stopped trying to explain our points because we didn't actually want someone to feel bad about the label yeah. they gave themselves. For sure. Um, so... Do we want to out ourselves? <laughs> and there, how I can't quite tell looking how long we've been recording for, but oh, yes. No, it's fine. No, I'm just going to use like how many minutes into our first episode? <laughs> are we laying the cards on the table? 
Um, the label I currently, or the labels I currently use for myself, I am a trans, non-binary, queer individual. I have also been known to use bisexual and pansexual. And on my way to the, using the term non-binary and embracing being trans, I have used genderqueer and... No, I think that's it. I, I think I went through genderqueer and then discovered non-binary. So, yes, those are the labels that I currently adorn myself with, as it were. If I was to have a couple of stickers, that would be it. And I use they, their pronouns uh, for future reference for people listening in if they want to talk to me or about me. They, their pronouns, please. And I'm gay. Um, There's such a sweet simplicity to you, Hamish. I really appreciate that. I am. I've gone through some other... uh, I was about to say phases. It's not phases. I do think it's fine for people to change labels. Yes. And there's definitely... When you suddenly start adopting a label to then abandon it can feel quite embarrassing or like... So... Mm. I have gone through sort of a, a, a kind of patch of finding a certain amount of uh, kinship with sort of asexual um, community. Mm-hmm. There's a friend, me, uh, there's a term me and a friend, Reese coined, I love this, which yeah. was gay sexual, <laughs> which is we're like gay as hell, but please don't touch me. <laughs> like, um, and, but there's a term actually, I, I think it's because in the gay community, which I, I, I tend to just say gay because I that's where I feel I've had the closest to a sort of shared experience. For sure. Um, but when, for very understandable, very completely cool reasons, the when you're kind of coming to terms with it, typically at a certain age, you end up in a kind of very sexualized environment yeah um and i've talked to some i've talked to some asexual people who do describe it as a kind of spectrum as well like demisexual and other kinds of mm-hmm. um those terms um and in the gay community there are the terms top and bottom mm-hmm. and there's explain this to me Amish. no do you, you didn't do <laughs> I, I I am familiar, um, but. which are interesting labels because they should just describe a sexual position, mm-hmm. but in the gay community they describe so much more. I suppose the, the equivalent, perhaps the the lesbian community, it, and I do not mean to draw a direct comparison, but rather the packaging that perhaps comes with it is butch and femme. Yeah, they sort of what should only describe a very specific thing ends yeah. up describing or being used as a joke to describe everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also the term versatile. Mm-hmm. And a, a term I found recently was called side, which meant... <laughs> I love it. Uh, which basically just meant not interested in that particular kind of sex. Ah. Um, which is incredibly common because the amount of work you have to get... It's a whole, it's a whole faff. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very lazy... <laughs> Um, low maintenance. So much work. Kind of person. I was in a long distance relationship with my husband for about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived in Australia. I lived in London. So we went in very low maintenance uh, people. Yeah. So I, I. So asexual as a label is not something I feel like I. 
I'm sure you like we all have labels which I wish I felt like I could use it, mm-hmm. but I don't feel necessarily like I relate to the shared experience mm. I see when I talk to asexual people. I relate more to gay, and gay sexual is basically a term me and a friend use to describe what I just said. Mm-hmm. And but that sounds too much like a a joke. It's interesting because it also rhymes very nicely with grey sexual, which is a term I've used, which actually sounds very familiar to the experience that we've talked about before. But what you're saying about having a label and feeling like it kind of applies, but you worry about claiming it for yourself. Yeah. Um, It took me a a very long time to feel comfortable using the label trans. Um, Because it popularised by the media, often trans is seen as a very binary thing. Um, you move from one to the other and being non-binary and sitting somewhere in the middle of that great colorful gender spectrum I wasn't sure if I could use that term because I I have no intention of transitioning and I think for so many people that is incorrectly the entirety of their understanding of what transness is is to transition from one gender to another and I wasn't sure if I could use it, if I should use it, if I was going to take something away from people who have struggled so much with their transness and being being open with it because of how misunderstood and how feared and how hated people are for that. But and I've I've I got flack on this recently on Twitter on National Coming Out Day for describing myself as trans non-binary. And people go, you cannot be both trans and non-binary. And I'm like, oh, really, person who is neither? Please tell me <laughs> about it. But yes, uh, learning that I, I could take that label and I am a part of that community, it took me a very long time to feel like that was a label I could have because I, I was scared and of detracting from something because so often the dialogue can be swamped by people who maybe don't have a voice there or shouldn't have a voice there or take away from the experiences of people who have it harder but that's a whole other conversation about how one person's struggle being greater than yours doesn't negate your own struggle yeah and that i think that's something a lot of people have got to come to terms with in life for various experiences not just relating to gender and sexuality but um my my gender identity and my understanding of it is quite interesting where it comes in with my identification of sexuality. And I think it's the case for quite a lot of non-binary and trans individuals. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and maybe misunderstanding of the terms. And this is where I'm going to try rattle through a bit quickly because <laughs> this is arguably either very boring or you've heard it before um, for some people listening to this. Uh, I, as a, as a younger person than I am now, I, when I uh, assumed I was cis, um, I knew I was attracted to women. I knew. Um, from a very, I don't want to say from a very young age, I was a very late developer <laughs> in many ways. Um, because autism, haha. <laughs> and that's another label for another time. Um, but yeah, I knew I liked women. And then I went to a mixed sixth form and met guys my own age. And I was like, oh, guys are a thing. Who knew? So then I was like, okay, so I guess I'm bisexual. I knew. (laughs) Well, of course you knew. And when I became more aware of trans individuals 
and I heard the term pansexual, I was like, well, people's genital configuration and gender doesn't matter to me. So then I started using the term pansexual. And the problem is, and the problem is, the, the bi slash pan discourse is a very nasty place and frequently there's a lot of infighting and people when describing what it means to them to be pan can be very derogatory towards bisexual people and bisexual people can be very derogative towards pan people and it bothers me immensely because the way I see it and this is a definition that I have not just used for myself but I hear used a lot uh, to be bisexual is to be attracted to people of the same gender as yourself and other genders some people argue the point but most bisexual people use that as the descriptor to be pansexual is to be attracted to people regardless of their gender now on paper one could argue those are pretty much the similar thing uh, what i like to say is that all pansexuals are bisexual because if regardless of somebody's gender they are either going to be the same gender as you or a different gender to you but not all bisexual people are pansexual Mm. It's like how all rect all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. <laughs> Very box shape, right? Oh, it all comes back to come, boxes. All comes back to boxes. All come back to boxes. I had the image of Homer holding the box with Bart's cap on, like screaming on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, but uh, yeah, to to sort of finish off that point, I will use the terms bisexual and pansexual, but depending on who I'm talking to, how they identify. But as somebody who is non-binary and whose gender is kind of complicated on a good day, it's complicated, um, I like queer. And now queer in and of itself is a label with its own weight, and I'm sure we'll expand on that in a second. But I like queer because it implies that it is not the, quote, norm, unquote, because I am not heterosexual. But because, to say, people are the same gender, so other trans, non-binary individuals, whatever that might mean to the individual using the label at the time, to say I'm queer, people go, cool, they get it. Yeah. I guess it's literally like the geek nerd thing. Like, mm -hmm. um, your reason for calling yourself something mm -hmm. might in some way sound like a little bit derogatory to other labels mm -hmm. but as long as you feel comfortable in your label and you understand why you use that label mm -hmm. then surely we can all get on mm -hmm. <laughs> when people use a label that you never heard of before yeah the reaction shouldn't be that's silly that's made why up don't, why don't you use this it should be uh, you don't want everyone to always explain what they mean but even if you just Google it, like yeah. Google um, is your friend. Google is your friend. Um, but it's interesting. Um, term the term queer, despite yeah. the fact it's used widely, it's like the queer discourse, the queer community, queer studies, for a lot of people. And this, I'd say, particularly in recent years. And this isn't me trying to demean uh, people of the LGBT plus community um, who object to the term strongly because it's been used against them as a slur. And let's just put this out where I'm fairly certain every term you can imagine for being not cishet has been used as a slur or as an attack by somebody at some point. That isn't to say that it hurts less when it is used so. But when we, to come back to uh, the title of this podcast, originally 
when I first pitched the idea to Hamish, um, my vague working title was Queer and Nerdy. Uh, interesting that we used nerdy back then. But yeah. we decided very early on we didn't want to use the word queer in our title. Although when you, as soon as you get to our description, we say <laughs> queer perspective because it's the easiest and the shortest and the simplest catch-all term. And it's the label we like to use for ourselves. It is. So it is our perspective. But we very purposely did not want to put that in the title because we know for members of the community, it's an uncomfortable word. And we didn't want to put people off on the first hurdle by using a weighted term. Well, so it's interesting. My So my husband doesn't really like the word. All right. But he doesn't like it being used to describe him. Okay. Because it to him, queer is the only... Uh, derogatory slur mm-hmm. he ever faced in the playground. Oh. Whereas I was just called gay all the time, and I wear that as kind of badge of honour. Yeah. But we've all just got to uh, go our own journey and yeah. take what labels we want. I mean, I would never describe an individual as queer unless I knew they used the term yeah. for themselves. Because... Because that I, I'm happy to refer to the community as a whole that way, and do. But also, if I'm in a discussion with somebody who doesn't like it, I will then use a different word, because it's about respect at the end of the day. Well, there's been this constant need for an umbrella term. And this is something that I think is one of the most personal and mm. um, hard to work out, because everyone's got an opinion and a obviously but uh, but everyone uh, we all want the whole point of our community is inclusivity and trying to make people um, welcome make people welcome so trying to come up with an umbrella term Mm. is frustrating and sometimes i'm annoyed when certain things are labeled with an umbrella term when they shouldn't yes so when someone says oh this film has great lgbt representation no it doesn't no it has a gay person in it that's not lgbt representation Mm -hmm. that's not a film about the queer experience mm. yeah it's got a gay person in mm-hmm. um which is when so like i was reading a comic recently which was very new and in it a character was being told to add the t to lgb all right and i was like oh i think by the time i got into this part of my life yeah the general term was lgbt mm-hmm. and i think generations before it was different yeah and obviously people getting into it now yeah lgbtq mm-hmm. and more lgbtq lgbtq plus yeah um i mean when like when i started university and fun point of fact hamish and i attended the same university which uh five years of five and a half year, odd years apart but we yes. did attend the, but it was interesting it was the lgbt society when i was there was it lgbtq or plus when you were there I think it might have been plus. And there you go. Um, not, but like, uh, we actually had problems because there was no T members. Right. That we knew of, but they made us, there was actually a point where certain um, trans students were invited and they said no, because that society does not have our interests at all. Because mm-hmm. um, our, in the first two years of our society, it did really devolve into we're people that go to a gay club together. Mm-hmm. And I understand the need for that, but it wasn't... That isn't all about community. Yeah, That's it wasn't offering... facet. It wasn't offering what the society should have offered, which yeah. was like a safe space. For sure. It was kind of like a um, a clique. 
Yeah. And I wanted to get away from those. Um, but <laughs> talking about labels mm-hmm. and an umbrella term, yeah, there has been a few thrown out and a few new ones, mm-hmm. and each one comes with problems. Yeah, sometimes they're too inclusive, mm-hmm. which I know sounds a bit strange, but some of them have are so vague mm-hmm. they could potentially describe things like paedophilia mm. or other stuff. If he argued that way, it was it the Mogai. Yeah, well, something uh, like yeah, because apparently one of them was. And this is why I kind of feel a bit all oh, about any new one. Yeah. Um, when I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't react positively to a post going around like Tumblr saying, this is the new term we are all going to use. Yeah, no, don't do that. Because um, all these terms have history and yeah. they've been fought for. That That's why part of why I'm so big on queer, because it's like very much part of our history, but we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Not just a catchy rhyme, though I can see why they went for it. Queer has always been a way of deviating from the norm. And so often, I think when you're part of this community, it isn't literally just your sexuality or your gender yeah. that makes you feel separate. Uh, so often, that it, it, it's great that the world is evolving in many ways to be more inclusive. Um and our understanding of what it means to be a certain sexual is expanding, and that's perfect and wonderful. But so often we live in a society that is very cisnormative and heteronormative, and the very act of being not that you are othered. Yeah. And so to say queer, as somebody that's frequently been dubbed weird, I like the duality of the word queer. Um, I like that it also sort of encompasses the fact that I'm neurodivergent because I'm like I'm about I, I like to say that the only straight thing about me is my hair and right now that doesn't even qualify because <laughs> I had it braided when it was wet so it's all kinky and weird as it should be but that's another label but I, as I said to, to circle back on myself that queer community it's not just about your gender and sexuality that makes you a that's part of what gets you into the community, but the community is about so much more than being that. It's about the support, it's about the interests, it's about the things not perhaps catered to you by mainstream society. But I suppose um, creating these side places these um, comes with its own thing. I know you want to talk about things that are labelled as gay comics or lgbt movies well i was on a panel at um, a convention called thought bubble in leeds um recently and it was about lgbt uh, q plus representation Mm -hmm. in comics and one of my fellow panelists who i won't name because i feel it's wrong to paint I don't want you to create a mind picture of this person from a slightly negative thing I'm going to say, because they are a very lovely person. But they repeatedly kept making a joke out of the acronym. Mm -hmm. I almost think the acronym is quite a funny uh, (laughs) umbrella term. Because he was making a joke about, he would always go LGBTQ at symbol, like Batman symbol, 2-5, whatever. And every time he did it would get less and less of a ripple of polite laughter from the audience Mm -hmm. and I did there was a bit at the end where I was like you know but even though adding seemingly adding more and more letters to the acronym seems might seem silly to you but it's only coming from 
people asking for some visibility mm-hmm. and finding community and finding out, oh, are we included? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is wrong to describe a comic book as having representation of all of the letters of the acronym if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You can disappoint people by saying it has good asexual representation when it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay sometimes to say this is a topic about LGB because sexuality and gender are different Yes. Things. And sometimes LGBT can give the impression that if you are trans, you can't be any of the other ones. Right. Um, but it is, it, I mean, it's it, it, it does become a little bit of a problem because it does mean that without knowing it, you might be using an outdated acronym and yeah. be seen as some way. Um, I don't think our podcast is going to come up with a completely universally loved uh, umbrella term for who we're talking about but I think no but you know if we do I'd like it <laughs> noted for the record when, when it goes down in the <laughs> annals, <laughs> annals of our community's history well, one of the like, so the reason we settled on no box included it's box not included box not included <laughs> I am, we had a lot I, of variations around yes. no box and that was where the title sort of very much came on from because I can't remember which one of us said it first, but I, I, I cannot remember who... I think... I, I cannot remember the comedian's name, but it, I believe it, it, it's a lesbian standing in a cardboard box and she's going, yes. help, help, I don't fit in this box. And a friend walks past, I think I believe it, um, walks past just throwing glitter going, there is no box. Yeah. And I remember seeing that for the first time and being having a moment of... Yes, and ever <laughs> since then, I have used "there is no box" when discussing gender and sexuality on my blog. But we wanted to make a different uh, distinction mm-hmm. because yes. I said earlier, you did that when a box is labelled, you mm-hmm. see the label and you make a presumption about what's inside the box. Mm-hmm. There might be it might say, you know, biscuits, and inside it's knitting stuff, but you make a presumption about what to expect mm-hmm. by looking at it. So, we don't like boxes. No, we do not. But labels on a person, mm. you tend to see their face first. You get to know them, you say hello, and then you see their labels. And we love to wear our labels of pride and identify other people who belong under the same label mm. and all that stuff. But it's a facet of us, and it would be nice if people judged us first mm-hmm. on... Other qualities, again, that has a, has a problem with like, well, what's so negative about people judging me on gay or yeah. whatever? But it's it's just that that should always just be something as like hair, hair colour. Yep. Although to find out if someone's got green hair like you've got, <laughs> there would probably be presumptions. People yeah. make presumptions of ginger people. Yeah. Or hairstyle is obviously a huge problem. Yeah. With it's, it's interesting you say, um, just to say a point, I really 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 hope that i give off the impression of being queer i want people to look at me and go i don't think that's a heterosexual there's and i know in and of itself that is arguably i'm saying that from a position of great privilege i'm able-bodied i'm white and to say i want people to look at me and know and it's not because i'm inviting trouble i want other people of my community to see me and to know that I am one of them and hilariously for me and um, this happened to me not far literally around the corner from my house I was walking to the shop 
I was wearing very loose clothes. I think my hair was brightly coloured at the time, which is not that surprising. And I had somebody lean out of a window as they drove past and yell a slur at me, normally targeted at um, gay men. Oh. And I, part of me wanted to go, that's a slur. But the second time, it was the first time somebody had assumed I was male <laughs> rather than female. <laughs> so I was kind of like, that's deeply insulting, but thank you for not assuming I was a woman. <laughs> so, but for me, that act of being recognised as not heterosexual was actually like, I should not be happy that I was just called that hideous word because that is, um, I'm not going to say it because I don't need to say it. But also, that's a word I've not very often heard in a positive context. Again, people reclaim it and that's great. Yeah. It's interesting, um, the word dyke. I definitely have been called a dyke as a slur a few times in my life. But I know for a lot of um, women who love women, that is very much a term embraced by that community, like diesel dykes and things like that. Uh, a friend of mine has it in most of her descriptors. Uh, mm. Labels. But So a label won't just describe if you are something. Mm. It tells you you're the kind of person who reclaims that. Mm -hmm. a, a, a specific type of maybe political mindset. Perhaps. Um, there's a, a similar word, faggot. Mm. Mm. And that I do know a lot of people hate it. Yeah. It's not something I describe myself as because I've never been called it. Yeah. And I've never felt the need to. Um, but I have a couple of friends who like have that on t-shirts yeah. and like, um, it is, it is a privilege to be able to angrily declare your sexuality like that. Obviously yeah. there's parts of the world where you can't do that. Um, I said about wanting people to look at me and know that I'm queer. I also have talked to people, my, my sister who, um, is cishet. Uh, no, that's a lie passes as cishet she, she's uh, bisexual um talked about putting a rainbow flag at her window for pride day or for and i said please don't because i was genuinely terrified somebody would put a rock through her window mm. because where i live is working class and there's a lot of angry people and yeah i wouldn't feel safe doing a pride parade in my town and I live in the southeast of England. I live in a, yeah, like, so, yeah, it, again, that position coming from privilege. There's been days when I've, like, wanted to be really, it it frustrates me the amount of times I have to come out. Yeah. Um, I literally went to the registry office, said, I would like to book a wedding for me and my uh, fiancé. Yeah. And... They said, what's her name? And I said, oh, he's called Justin. Mm -hmm. She wrote down the name Justin and then proceeded to ask about her. And wow. Like, and like, okay, cool for not, you Listening. know. Well, no, but cool for not like labeling a name with pronouns. <laughs> but also cool, like, just, I don't know. Some people really don't. I wouldn't say don't want to see queer people, but they just never expect. They've got the blinkers on? Yeah, they never expect in a million years that they would actually meet one um, when they've interacted with many. Little do they know. Little do we, we are, are everywhere. <laughs> um, you know how that old thing, like, you're never more in London, like, never more than 12 feet away from a rat, or like, you're never more than a certain <laughs> distance away from a gay person. <laughs> um, we are everywhere. We are legion. I know, I felt very... Uh, I felt on a very specific, uh, particular day... Mm. Um, 
the day after the Orlando shooting, mm. I was like, I wanted to be as visible as possible. Yeah. Which was interesting because a lot of people wanted to be as little as visible as possible. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to, like, everyone to know I was gay. I wanted everyone to know I was mourning. Mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to, like, treat me nice. Yeah. Which was really weird. And, like, some people, I went, like, I tend to work from home and be freelancer, but that was one time I was literally going to the studio every day. And I wanted everyone to, like, acknowledge when I walked in that day that talk to me nice, treat me a certain way, which sounds really like selfish, no. but it's like, I didn't want, I didn't want this to be brushed aside. I wanted everyone in the room to like know and acknowledge. Yeah. Um, and then there's other days when like on my work, walk home, I tend to not want to, like I never hold my husband's hand in public ever. Mm. Um, and the one, like one of the few times we did, we went to Brighton. Yeah. Which I don't know if American listeners might know. Tends to be considered kind of like a, a quite a gay gay mecca of gay the mecca. Ago. That um, and Manchester's also the other place. Yeah, I've got this more of a thriving queer as folk. The uh, the English is set in Manchester, wasn't it? Yeah, that was one of the few times we actually uh, walked around holding hands, and I remember getting looks and something said at me. Yeah, and actually, one of like I walked around Soho, another very gay area of uh, the country. Um, in a pink Power Rangers shirt and I got weird comments mm-hmm. and like, oh, look at that. You're wearing a pink shirt. <gasps> it's like weird. Like, it's, you think you're going to face something. Yeah. And then the bar is so much lower. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. in terms of gender non-conforming, the bar is so low. <laughs> like, so low. I once got told off, not told off, but like uh, my flatmate's part uh, boyfriend at the time I was leaving the house in a storm with an umbrella and he was like, you're a man. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like, I wouldn't ever, he was like, I'd never carry an umbrella. I was like, what? Why? What? <laughs> and like, yeah, the, mm. the bar is so low for, for gender. Like, you can really freak someone, like really rock someone's world by doing the simplest thing. Yeah. that that That's a whole other kettle of fish to be discussed. Like, you think we've come so far and then people freak out about a guy with a pink shirt on. Mm. So. There's a whole episode of The Simpsons where... I yeah. mentioned this, this second my Simpsons reference. I really like The Simpsons. That's fine. But, like, Homer wears a pink shirt to work and he has, to go, he has to go for, like, psychological because analysis testing. and, like... I also think partially that's because it's out of the norm. Yeah. But there we go. The whole thing about not being... Well, I have heard some people be annoyed that the umbrella terms team to acknowledge straight as the norm mm. but something i frequently get annoyed about is people who argument come from the future yes they like we oh i already live in the enlightened utopian society where everyone is treated equally like it i saw a post recently i can't quite remember it so bear with me but it was basically like arguing that gay people were the true homophobes by like they're the ones that are always judging things based on it was it, that kind of twisted argument of like you guys can't see it but I'm doing massively <laughs> what the fuck face right yeah now. they're like yes the like I can't quite explain it but we do not yet live in the future where everything's great no we do not we 
we do queer people tend to share a similar experience of feeling closeted of being confused of finding uh of of like seeing something and it enlightening like oh i understand now yeah um and some people exist post that or like to think they do which is lovely for them i yeah I don't. I don't. I want to. I want to like huddle in the cold of my fellow like, like f- penguins huddling together. <laughs> the penguin circle. Like I want. I want to like find my my people, find my people who who all feel oppressed and angry and yeah. um want to change the world. And the people who think like they're past that don't mm. face. Yeah. Like don't get it. I feel like um, some of that mentality is what leads to people saying, "Oh, we don't need to." have characters in the media we consume labelled. And this is a subject that we are going to come back to time and time again because the matter of representation is such a huge, huge thing. There, there's, every time we go to conventions, uh, geek conventions, we talk about representation. But it's something I did want to, given that we are a geeky podcast from a queer perspective rather than a queer podcast yeah. <laughs> from a geeky perspective. Well, yeah, talking about labels, I did kind of... Gloss over when you're talking about Thought Bubble. Mm. The, the, we were talking about labelling comics. Yeah. But it happens with movies. And, like, um, I remember trying to get my brother to watch a film called Weekend. All right. Because um, I quite liked it. And I said, I think it's funny. I think you'll like it. It's like a romance between two guys. Mm-hmm. And I just know he never would because... Not because he's homophobic, but just from a outside perspective... He this feels is, there's nothing for him in it? Yeah. It's an LGBT film. And I was like, I have watched... So many straight couples in films. Mm. Uh, every time, like a man and a woman exchange a glance in a film, I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, yes. Agree. And like labeling, I want to. I want to have the LGBT section on Netflix. I want to like. Yes. Seek out those films. Same time, not everything with those characters in should be labeled that. And I face this when because I make comics. Mm-hmm. I make a comic called Dead Endia. Um, I sell it at conventions. And I'm often battling how queer to make it look from the outside. Yeah. I table a lot uh, next to a friend called Joe Glass who does a comic called The Pride. It's about a gay superhero team or a queer superhero team. Mm-hmm. Um, his table his tablecloth is a rainbow flag. He's got flags everywhere. It's called The Pride. The, the cast is very obviously... The, the main character's called Fab Man and wears <laughs> like a pink like leotard and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's he's targeting a, a a group of people, and I have talked to him like, do many straight people read this comic? And he says he doesn't care. He doesn't. Well, actually, I'm putting words in his mouth. He sometimes he says they do read it, but it's um, not for them. It's not for them, and that's fine. But yes, I often battle whether I I'm I'm making stuff for my community or stuff that adds to mass media that happens to have us in. Because that's what I want to see. Yeah. I mean, it's something we've talked about before. Um, By increasing the number of visibly uh, queer characters or trans characters uh, in media, it gives the cishet community examples that they might not have otherwise. And regardless of... and. This therein lies comes the issue of how well you portray people of um, a, a, a sexuality minority or a gender minority, but people cishet the cis those damn cishets. <laughs> um, 
it gives them a frame of reference and we need to have those characters in the in the in their media and i am using inverted mm. commas heavily here because they need to have those kinds of people normalized and in the things they consume because like you're saying about your brother if something's labeled as a, a gay comic or an lgbt movie straight people will go well that's not for me but if you have these characters in quote mainstream media yeah. the, the act of just saying mainstream media like we're other which yeah but it's that idea we need to have these people there and this is where labels become important so when a character when a creator refuses to confirm if a character is or is not it's all a bit like nudge nudge well you know i remember watching to use your framework a simpsons episode one of the uh, i think it's one of the first clip shows they did yeah. where it's troy mcclure on a set of the simpsons living room mm. i love troy mcclure um, but talking about somebody sent in a letter about what's the deal with Mr. Burns' assistant Smithers? And then they do this <laughs> great panorama of clips. And then just like, as you can see, the real deal with Waylon Smithers is he's Mr. Burns' assistant. He's a 30 door and lives in da da da. And it's just like, and that is a great illustration of intentionally missing the point. But yeah. so often. The, the joke is Smithers is gay. Smithers is so gay. Um, so I, I, Smithers is one of my favourite characters I, I, I relate to him in many ways I have an unhealthy attraction to my male superiors <laughs> and collect toys the, the, but the, she's the, got a new hat the, yeah the, she's got a new hat is my guide to why I'm Smithers mm-hmm. I'm like that with Godzilla toys yeah um, but yeah the, the, it, get, it really frustrates me when people think it's progressive to have characters say, oh, I don't use labels, I just don't care. And it's like, just say they're bi. How often have you seen a character say, oh, I'm bisexual? I've never heard that. Hmm. It, 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 you know, it, it happens occasionally, but it's massively dwarfed by the amount of characters who are just like, I do oh, so you're gay now. Oh, are you straight now? Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah. It's one thing I know um, for a lot of people uh, with the recent Ghostbusters movie, all of us quiz watching it, and this is also true for neuro- uh, Neurodivergent, but that's another issue. Every, nearly every queer, definitely nearly every queer woman and female identifying um, individual and non-binary individuals like myself, who are possibly assigned female at birth, possibly not, looked at Kate McKinnon at movie and Harold, that is a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> the lesbians, Harold. They're lesbians. Um, but we all, we were all there going, are we all seeing this? You're seeing this too, right? And to have after the fact Paul Feig say, yep. Yep. But Sony said no. But, but the fact that Paul Feig then said that and did confirm that was so affirming. It's mm. like, we aren't just reading into this. And so many create, and the, we're going to talk about queer baiting at length I imagine in the future but that act of saying of clarifying it yeah it is affirming to know I wasn't just reading into this but we're going to play it safe for the safe that the, the creators play it safe to not to alienate their cis het usually white male audiences by going no that character is queer to have that knowledge is important because you, we have our labels that we affix to ourselves and to have somebody else it's about that sense of kinship and to have a fictional character that you identify with that you love turn around and say i'm this or 
if the story hasn't lent it, but the creator to go, this character is this, is supremely important. It's also a good thing to do fairly soon because if you leave it, the headcanons get so precious mm-hmm. that were you to confirm a character is, you know, one thing, all the people that have had been headcanoning them as something else might feel a little bit hurt. Yeah. But if you're like... I, 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 I don't like gender and sexuality being like a twist or a reveal. Yeah. And like... That really bothers me. Yeah. Not just, like, it's okay to do once or twice, but it's it's so common. It's consistently like, used as a device, as a plot yeah. device. Um, and, again, we'll talk in the future about uh, creators just wanting their little points Checkbox. for... Saying, oh, yeah, that character is that with no real evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I like, I prefer when there's... So, I, I, an example of which surprised me yeah. was Deadpool... The yes. film, I I went in completely expecting them to completely ignore his sexuality from the comics. Yes, and canon, the- but canon pansexual for all the yeah. white naysaying cishet boys that like to say he's not. It's canon confirmed in the mm. comics, said by creators and written in the canon. Gender is irrelevant to Deadpool. Yeah, and I think there's. It's fair to say that sometimes that's done. Because Deadpool's a crazy character who's wacky, you know, those wacky, wacky queers. Um, but even like, despite the fact Deadpool never says it, mm-hmm. that is not a straight person. In that no, moment. and I actually quite liked how that was handled in a way. Yeah. Um, and I found it interesting that Comic Con, the two biggest cosplays you see are Deadpool and Harley Quinn, both both queer, both queer, and because they're so marketable now as characters, I wonder how that'll affect the way their sexuality is handled because i feel like oh harley quinn is now this completely marketable product Mm -hmm. let's downplay the certain aspects which is very reassuring when i've seen interviews with margot robbie where she's very aware of that aspect Mm. of the character she wants to like she wants to embrace that give us poison ivy Mm. in a harley quinn movie but also yeah yeah yeah, also ryan reynolds has talked quite i think quite candidly about um i I know fandom wishful thinking about give deadpool boyfriend in deadpool talk keep vanessa because you know we can talk about polly stuff yeah but that's a different issue but I love all the talk about, let's throw Andrew Garfield in there as Peter uh, <laughs> Taker or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. And just like, don't have him ever have him really just pull up a shirt. There's just like this flash of a Spider-Man outfit yeah. underneath. And Andrew Garfield would be game. He was up for having Michael J. Jordan play Mary Jane or MJ. Yeah, but you see these, like, I was just saying this morning, Gal Gadot said she wanted Wonder Woman to have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like... The actors are game. The audience is game. Yeah. When it's very cynical to say it this way, but when they suddenly realise that actually putting gay people in things and queer representation is mark like yeah. makes money. Mm-hmm. We were talking at um, the Thought Bubble panel that the uh, the biggest ever comic uh, funded on Kickstarter yeah. is a web comic called Check Please, which is a gay romance story about hockey, hockey players. players. And that has made that made more money on Kickstarter than like mo- any DC comic would make its run, and it's because we're so desperate for. I like I backed it, never mm. had an issue, 
didn't even get to the bottom of the Kickstarter thing. Yeah. I was just like, oh, what can I fund? Yeah. Because I will throw my money at stuff. I will, I, I can throw yeah. my money at stuff. I um, show my support where I can. If uh-huh. things don't get things 100% right, then that's not a big problem for me because I will criticise a queer character and dissect them to a point I would never would with a stri- straight character. New. Um, which is bad, but it's when we have so so little representation, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah, this is why we talk about why representation is important because as soon as you have more than one queer character, they don't have to represent all of queer mm. people. Well, okay. labels <laughs> to circle back. I we were we were just talking about confirming characters one way or other. Yeah. Did you want to talk briefly about Willow? Uh, yeah, um, Willow is somebody I will probably talk about quite a lot in the future because I remember falling in love with her so hard but Willow is a character who we saw spoilers for Buffy by the way uh mm. <laughs> never mind the show ended uh, no no I'm not thinking about how long ago that show ended because I will cry about the passage of time <laughs> um but we we saw Willow very much in love with male characters and then she went to university and she fell in love with a woman and there very much was oh bisexual character ah and then Willow says, I'm gay now, and embraces her lesbian. And while as a bisexual person and looking at the writers, I can be an, I can be angry and frustrated with that. But within the text, Willow identifies as a lesbian, as a gay woman. And for us, and that is her cho- how she identifies. And so that's the label she chose, again, ignoring writer intent. But we need to respect that. And that, yeah. for me to say... Oh, Willow's bisexual. No, Willow is not. Willow identifies as gay. Yeah, and there's definitely there's people in the world who exist who are lesbians who have, yeah, have dated a, men and things. Yeah. Um, so, again, more characters. Everyone needs representation. Yeah. Um, I we were talking because originally this podcast was this episode was going to be about when we first saw ourselves yeah. in the media. Would you consider Willow to be part of that or? Willow is definitely up there as uh, as a as a queer woman. Because I can't, rem- I, I genuinely can't remember. I do remember being a young per like when this is not a Simpsons podcast. But the episode <laughs> that should be the subtitle. This, <laughs> this is, is not, not a Simpsons, Simpsons podcast. podcast. But um, the episode with John Waters in. Yes. Um, Homer's, love that episode. Homer's phobia. I love that um, episode. I remember watching that episode and not knowing really what they're talking about but yeah. getting it yeah um i really liked camp nostalgic toys yeah and like wearing weird t-shirts mm-hmm. and dancing and all the things How that can you like graphics you're a grown man yeah like it's camp <laughs> like the ludicrously tragic the tragically ludicrous i got that aspect weird for the sake of weird and isn't that just- and like that episode's quite weird because you wouldn't do it nowadays because I don't think you'd happily have your main character be so homophobic. But I'd argue that's better representation. Yeah. Like Homer's by our today's standards, Homer's sh- shocking. His behaviour yeah. and what he says is horrible mm. in a way that I think when the episode aired was more like this is the average yeah, opinion. Average show. Um I like that we like it starts off them talking about him camp and camp whatever, and then Marge is like He's gay. Yeah. And it's... John home. is a hoe. Yes, mo. Sexual. And then Homer, sc- Homer screams <laughs> and then has his gay crisis. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I danced with a gay. <laughs> and it's just like, 
But and, the, but, and they immediately call him on it for being yeah. ridiculous. Both Marge and Lisa immediately shut down that behaviour. Yeah. Which is refreshing because you don't really see that. In all seriousness, it's no. getting better. But people being called out for their homophobia, for their transphobia. It's really sweet. Marge thinking a day out with John with the kids would be wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, he absolutely subscribes to every stereotype and he's the gay best friend but kind of thing. It's John Waters. But it's John Waters. And you, I, I, I'm at a stage where I'm very defensive of stereotype characters quite a lot yeah. because... This will definitely be something we'll talk yeah. about later. Cause but I'm like, I understand why there are problems, mm. why there are problems at certain times. Yeah. And now I feel so many... Um, queer characters are mm. so written as straight people yeah um, for straight people yeah to be palatable um, to yeah people. and they're just like oh I'm just a cool normal person yeah. but I happen to have a boyfriend mm. and- so I, I just gotta think back of that that Simpson because every time I just have such a social we work hard we play hard <laughs> and yeah. I just love that line so much I, just, I, just, I have a lot of affection for that episode yeah, and I think that might be the first time I was so explicit to me. Yeah, um, um, yeah. No, I think for me, the first time I can clearly a character expressing attractions to multiple genders is Captain Jack. As they as they well. as they pre- as opposed to Willow, where you see evidence of that, and I still think um, that should be applauded for at the time what it was. But yeah, Captain Jack Harkness in the Doctor Dances. Mm. that was probably the first time I saw a character in that who was identifying. And even then, we also run into the, you, uh, uh, I think that came up in Torchwood, is um, you people in your quaint little categories. Yeah. But that's another issue. But again, Jack doesn't get it because Jack is from that utopian future mm. where labels don't matter because yeah. everybody has moved past He's kind of like an... Like- Ignoring lots of aspects of his character, he's kind of like an aspirational... Yeah. Um, like, one day we'll get there. And, like, Rose, who comes from uh, a time where there's an episode where she uses gay mm. to describe something as bad. Yeah. She comes from a... Which has been something I've actually kind of defended in a way. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. The Doctor gives her a weird look. Mm. And it's like, oh, I'm in 2005. Right, okay. Um mm. I would be against it if it wasn't written by Rossa Day Davis. I felt yeah. like it was an intentional way to describe Rose. Yeah, for sure. Um, and her cha- like changing viewpoints. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Captain Jack, he's a bit of a he's a bit like John John Waters' character in the sense that he's called John. Um, in that, like, in certain ways, it's a bit of a stereotype. But like, we don't have enough. Like, yeah. I'll take a stereotype over no representation. Yeah. Which is a bit of a controversial thing to say sometimes. But um, at the same time. A stereotype with good intentions that's... Is better. Than us not existing in media. Yeah. I think that'll do for this episode, do you think? Yeah. I. We went into doing this podcast wanting it to be a geeky podcast from a queer perspective. And we yeah. started with a very queer... Heavy. Heavy episode. But I think that's a good way to start. You guys need to know who we are and where we stand. Yeah, but where we stand can change. Oh yeah, no, very much. We, I'm sure there'll be people who um, will, we we don't ever say that we know everything. God, no. And we are constantly learning. 
Mm-hmm. I would not be making this podcast a few years ago. For sure. Um, and maybe one day, I hope we can cringely listen back to the first episode and be like, uh, 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 and live in that beautiful utopia future, which is some beach in Wales with a (laughs) CGI map painting background. (laughs) Um, yeah. The dream, the beautiful dream. Okay. Um, we'd like to thank, uh, Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the sound waves. Uh, he chose that title uh, for uh, helping us uh, produce the episode and Soundbid Audio for our amazing theme music, which I just, I, yeah, I, like, I just like it. I, I just like that I have something that was composed for us. It makes me happy. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> way to ruin the illusion, Hamish. <laughs> I, was, I was working on a bit. It's fine. Okay. Um, if you want to contact us, uh, we have an email address and a Twitter both are box not included, so that's at gmail.com and obviously at box not included on Twitter. And you can follow us as well. On our individual Twitters, I'm uh, at Hamish Steele. And I am Jade Oxford Rose. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode, things you'd maybe like to hear us talk about. We have a long list of stuff that we want to do. Mm. But, yeah, no, please, uh, message us. We'll come up with a, a snappy hashtag at some point, I'm sure. Or you can. Yes, we'd love to hear Start your Start a hashtag. Start a hashtag and, and <laughs> at one of us or the uh, official RR podcast Twitter and let us know. Um, but, yeah, I suppose uh, until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. <laughs> <laughs>